0: We're gonna begin by seeing our own hearts. Now, the book of Acts is amazing. If you've never spent any time in the book of Acts, I wanna encourage you, maybe even before you leave here this week, try to read through the book of Acts, at least the first 16 or 17 chapters. The book of Acts is amazing because it tells us about the, the, the unfolding of the, the growth of the church after the death and resurrection of Jesus. In the beginning of the book, gives us a hint of where the thing is going to go. Now, Jesus has risen from the dead. And he comes to his disciples and he says, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And they're like, yeah, hometown. And Judea, yes, hometown. And Samaria, yeah. Wait, what? Jesus, Samaria? And even to the uttermost parts of the earth, You're going to go to those people, the Samaritans, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. And what happens? They start speaking in other languages. They're given an ability to translate the story of Jesus for people who speak different languages. All of these people from the Jewish faith had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. And now they're hearing the message of Jesus. And all these people start coming to faith. But all of these folks, they were Jewish. They were still, they were still very similar. They just spoke different languages because they were from the diaspora. They were scattered. But they had come together for the feast. So they're doing ministry with people that are like them. All of these people are coming to faith. There's so much fruit. I mean, thousands of people are coming to faith after the preaching of Peter. It's an amazing time. And they continue doing ministry to people who are just like them. But guess what happens? God does not want them to stay stuck in this groove where they're doing ministry just with people who are like them, who share their values, who share their sensibilities, who like all the things they like, who eat the foods they eat. And so guess what he does in order to get them to go out into the world? He sends persecution on them. And Deacon Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, is martyred. He is killed for his faith in Jesus. They say, give up your faith in Jesus, and he preaches the gospel to them, and they stone him. And then the rest of the community, they they scatter into the rest of the world. And guess what happens beginning in, in Acts chapter 8? The first place that they stop off. Now, they've been doing ministry in Jerusalem and Judea up through Acts chapter 7. Well, guess what the first stop is in Acts chapter 8? Philip winds up in Samaria, and he preaches the gospel, and the Samaritans come to faith. And they're like, oh my goodness, it's like the things that Jesus said are true. He promised that we would get power and that we would be his witnesses, and now the Samaritans have come to faith. And then later in Acts chapter 8, there's another conversion. Luke is going to lay out four conversions To show you what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church. What does God want to do in the church? What is God up to in the church? It starts with the conversion of the Samaritans. Then you see the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. A black African. If when you read that story you envision the Ethiopian eunuch looking like Brad Pitt. You're not seeing it right. Okay. This is a black African. He's a high achieving official. He's way up. He's a powerful man in the world. But he, he's, he's reading an Isaiah scroll. He's driving in his Lexus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives this personal message to Philip. And he says, hey, go and talk to him. So the man is riding in his chariot, reading an Isaiah scroll. I mean, just imagine it, contemporize it. He's riding in his Lexus. He pulls up to a stoplight. His audio Bible is playing out loud. And all of a sudden, your boy Philip comes running up. He's like, hey man, you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how am I going to understand unless someone explains it to me? Jump in the passenger seat. Philip jumps in the passenger seat, explains the scriptures to him, and he comes to faith. And he goes back home rejoicing. That's the second major conversion. What is God doing? First, the Samaritans, now an Ethiopian eunuch, and guess who's next? Saul of Tarsus, or better put, Osama bin Paul. He was the great terrorist of the church. They were terrified. He was using all of his intelligence, all of his power, all of his energy to try and have people who believed in Jesus killed or imprisoned. And he is, he is knocked off his high horse by Jesus. Jesus appears to him. The great enemy of the Christian faith becomes the great advocate of the Christian faith. That's the third major conversion. And now our text for this evening is the fourth conversion major conversion in Luke's story. He is a centurion. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. He's one of those people. Now do you see right off the bat what you are seeing is what God is up to in the life of the church. There's a reason why God is doing this at the very beginning of the church's story after the resurrection because he wants to show you that it's on his heart. This is what God is after. This is what God is building. This is what God is doing. This is how he's moving among his people in order to form a new community. In order to form a new community. Four major conversions. But what I want to I suggest to you, that's, that's recognized by New Testament scholars. Four major conversions that show you the direction that God is taking the church.